Tech broadcast. Okay. So we should be, attendees should be able to join now. Yeah, they're going to start populating the list. six, seven. All right, Tim. Welcome, everybody. Go ahead and start. You, O Lord, are my refuge. You are holy and just. You are faithful and righteous. You, O Lord, are my refuge. Richard, it just went black. By your mercy, you come. I did? Yeah. Under the shadow of your wings, Lord, in your presence I'll remain. Okay, hang on. So much fun. <laughs> so much fun. We're going to get it all one of these days. It will be here. Oh, we. You, Lord, are my refuge. You are holy and just. You are faithful and righteous. It is not cooperating. There we go. You got it? You, Lord, are my refuge. You are holy and just. You are faithful and righteous. You, Lord, are my refuge. By your mercy, you cover me under the shadow of your Lord, in your presence I'll remain. You are forevermore the same. You are my refuge, my only refuge. You, oh Lord, are my refuge. In you I find rest. You're my God and my fortress. You, oh Lord, are my refuge. By your mercy, you cover me. Under the shadow of your wings, Lord, in your presence I'll remain. You are forevermore the same. You are my I think I can see this multiple times. My only refuge. Right. You still hear me? You, oh Lord, are my refuge. It is you I will trust. You're my light in the darkness. You, oh Lord, are my refuge. 
By your mercy you cover me. By your mercy you cover me. By your mercy you cover me. ready for it to stop i'm sorry i'm gonna give you another two three minutes hey hey doug it's gonna take us another minute to get started again Doug. I can't see you. I can't hear you. You can't hear me? I'm on twice now. Yeah, I noticed that. There I go. I think that was my wife. <laughs> yeah. She can rename herself. <laughs> See what it looks like. Okay. Um, let's see. I want to give people time to, to connect and stuff. Um, but in doing that, I guess I'll go ahead and begin since we have so many people already here and watching and go through some of the announcements since we don't have the announcement slides going anymore. And they went really fast. So for those of you who are watching, um, uh, welcome to Wednesday night, uh, Wisdom Wednesday nights. We're excited about it. And uh, we're really looking forward to uh, these next four weeks and uh, and doing this every week for the next several weeks. Um, I want to uh, mention several things coming up. One is uh, next Tuesday, we are going to do a blood drive at the church building again, a community blood drive. Um, Signups have gone well for that. 
Uh, my wife was just looking at it a minute ago, and uh, there are s only six more slots left for that. So if you'd like to sign up and participate, we'd love for you to do that. Just go ahead and um, do that. It's, it's basically on Tuesday afternoon. Um, uh, we are going to have a grace group meeting as well on Tuesday. If you'd like to participate, please contact me at my email or, my, or text me at my phone. Um, and I'll put you on the list. Uh, we're going to follow social distance guidelines, meet at the church building. Uh, the meeting this time, uh, this will be the only meeting in July for the Grace Group uh, for mental wellness issues, uh, but it will occur starting at 6.30 this coming Tuesday. Um, and then in a couple of weeks, starting on July 22nd, uh, the Grief Group, uh, Grief Share Group will begin um, start meeting at the church building uh, on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. Uh, Ed Biggers will be uh, leading that group and uh, so uh, if you'd like to be a part of that please email the church office email Ed or me um, and we'll put you in the uh, in the list so we definitely want to uh, hear from you if you'd like to be a part of that that's going to be really good now, um, I see everybody's uh, sharing chat. I think that's great. Um, I want everybody to remember that whenever we start our summer series, we always begin with ice cream. Remember that? We have ice cream the first week. So I've got my ice cream. I don't know about you, but if you have ice cream in your house, you can always get it and, and go get some and eat while you're sitting here watching Seth. Doesn't that sound good, Seth? <laughs> That's what I want. Mm, mm. Yeah, there you go. So I want to encourage you to um, take care of those needs because I know all of you will need that. But in all um, honesty, what I'd love for you to do is in the chat, which is usually found at the bottom of your screen, um, uh, write in what your favorite ice cream is, what you would love to be eating if we were all together and have sharing ice cream, um, what ice cream you'd love to be sharing this, this evening. So go ahead and put that and, um, and maybe we'll you know, have a little poll or something at the end and I'll share those things. Now, um, uh, I did, some of you have already asked for a joke from me, so I did come prepared. I knew you would be really looking forward to this. I found one, and uh, I thought it would go along with our Wisdom Wednesday concept. Um, a fourth grader was celebrating his birthday, but he was on crutches. So he couldn't carry his cupcakes into the school building without help. So uh, mom asked the sixth grader, okay, you got a fourth grader and a sixth grader. So he, she asked the sixth grader, whose name is Noah, if he would help him, you know, the brother, the older brother. To which Noah responds, well, I could, uh, but I prefer not to. You know, this typical attitude of a sixth grader. Uh, spotting a teaching moment, uh, her husband asked Noah, uh, what would Jesus do? What a, what a great thought. You know, we're going we're gonna to teach this young man, you know, how Jesus would reach out and help uh, his brother and be kind. To which Noah promptly responds, Jesus would heal him so he could carry his own cupcakes. 
I just want you to think through that this evening as we think about wisdom. So um, uh, tonight, uh, Seth is going to be joining us. I want to begin with a prayer, and then I'll introduce Seth. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Father, thank you for uh, your blessings of the day. It has been such a beautiful day here. I pray that you'll be with us. I pray, Father, that you will guide us and uh, walk with us every day. And Father, so often uh, we pray and ask for wisdom, like James says. Uh, ask for wisdom to know how to live life and what to do and, and uh, about decisions we have. And Father, I thank you for books like Proverbs that you provided us. Thank you for Seth. I pray that you'll speak through him for us uh, tonight. Thank you, Father, for this good time. It's through your son we pray. Amen. So um, Seth has served as the minister of the Shawnee uh, Trail Church of Christ uh, for about 12 years now, I think. Is that right, Seth? That's right. And uh, say that again? Yeah, almost 12 and a half, I guess. 12 and a half. Now, before that, he was up in Oklahoma City at the Mayfair Church and at the Memorial Road Church and even at Oklahoma Christian. Uh, now, he did get a, a Bible degree from Oklahoma Christian in 2000 and a master's degree in family ministry in 2003. Uh, he, he married his wife, Katie, 18 years ago, and they have three children, Macy, Charlie, and Emma. Uh, they came to us last summer, I think, and uh, that may have been the first time we had Seth and really enjoyed him then. So I, I got Seth prepared because I wanted to ask him a couple of questions before we got started. So Seth, tell us one fun thing that you have done while staying at home during COVID. Well, I haven't really done fun, uh, but I've got a lot of work now uh, done. <laughs> we had some dead trees that I learned how to cut down without them falling on our house. And uh, I bet so your I guess, wife liked that. <laughs> I guess that was the most, they were trees that she hated. So uh, ah. I cut down some big trees and got them out of the way. So I earned some points there, I guess. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, um, and so have you found a new or unique way to serve at this time? Not unique. I, I think it's really just something that we've, we have maybe forgotten or overlooked. We were in a staff meeting um, early when all of this started and, and our youth minister said, I'm, I'm working harder than I've ever worked. You know, everybody else is at home. I'm working harder than I ever have. And it kind of dawned on me that, and, and I said in the meeting, I said, I actually think this is how we're supposed to be working, right? Where we're making sure on a daily basis, we're making contact with people and we're making sure we know what's going on in their life. And, and right. so what, what I've been reminded of is just the power of the one-on-one -on -one connection, even if it's yep. over the phone or over video. Um, yeah. That's what I've been reminded of uh, these past few months. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. That's excellent. Well, Seth, I really appreciate that. That's good. And it is powerful to be connected over phone. Seth is going to be introducing our main subject, Proverbs, uh, for the summer. Um, those first few chapters of the book. And so, Seth, I'm going to let you talk for the next few minutes. And, All right. Um, so have at it. All right. Well, I'm going to share my screen here, Richard, if that's all right with you. If I can. Can you see that all right? 
Am I good? All right, cool. Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, it is really nice to be with you. We really wanted to actually get to be with you. My family really, really enjoyed our time last summer getting to come down and, and be with you all. Uh, we are longtime friends of, of Cody Spear. Cody and I went to school together and worked together, and I saw you guys are having a party to honor them here very soon. And and uh, but we have a lot of connection to your church. My my in-laws went to MacArthur Park for a while when my wife and I were married, and um, so we love your church, and and we're honored to to be invited, and wish we could be with you, but we're glad to be on Zoom with you. Uh, a preacher who used to live up here in Dallas named David McKinley said something many years ago that I think is probably truer now than it was even back then. He said that we are living in an age where we are exploding with information. But he says so many people are struggling to have wisdom in their life. We are drowning in information, but we are starving for knowledge and wisdom. Isn't that true? I mean, we have more information than we know what to do with, but wisdom is, is difficult to come by. Well, tonight you guys are beginning a study of what may be my second favorite book in all of the Bible. I love the book of Proverbs. And my hope is that you will fall in love with this great book over the next few months as well, because it is filled with so much practical advice and so much application that is is useful for our lives even today. But here's the problem. I think the problem is, as much as we may be starving for wisdom, as much as we may be thirsting for wisdom, we're, as our nature goes, not real quick to accept it. William Algers said, we give advice by the bucket, but we take it by the grain. And I think there is a lot of truth to that. But my hope is, as you dig into the book of Proverbs, that you will be inspired to take this godly advice, not by the grain, but by the bucket full. Because Proverbs is a book of wisdom, uh, and we desperately need God's wisdom in our lives, in, in every area of, of our lives. As Douglas said tonight, my job is to introduce the book of Proverbs to you and then cover chapters one through four. And so I'm going to jump right into that. We are going to move very, very quickly. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. So if you've got your Bible, let me encourage you to open it up to Proverbs chapter one, and we'll get to that here in just a moment. Obviously, I'll have scriptures on, on your screen, hopefully. And, uh, uh, but just we're going to go through this as quickly as we can. Um, the book of Proverbs was written probably about 900 B.C., which is nearly 3,000 years ago, written mostly by King Solomon, although there were some other wise men who contributed, but Solomon wrote probably about 95% of the book. Now, what we know about King Solomon is that he was the son of David. He was the king of Israel, and he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord with all of his heart, and God was so impressed by Solomon that one night, God appeared to Solomon in a vision, and he said, whatever you want, I'll give you. I'm so pleased with you. You name it, I'll give it to you. Now, can you imagine what that would be like? 
can you can you imagine what you might say i i don't know what i would say i would probably say can i have three more wishes right or i might i might say well, i need time to think about it but that's not what solomon said what solomon said was i want to be able to discern right from wrong he said i want wisdom which to me even though he was a young man shows he already had a lot of wisdom to ask for that and god was incredibly pleased by that request. And so God says, I'm going to give you what you ask for. I'm going to give you incredible wisdom. And not only that, I'm going to give you the things you didn't ask for. You didn't ask for money or power or fame or all that. But God says, I'm going to give you all of those things as well. And so God did that. But the thing that Solomon got, the thing he wanted was wisdom. And in 1 Kings chapter 4, we read about that wisdom. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, and people from all nations came just to listen to Solomon's wisdom. The Bible says that Solomon spoke about 3,000 Proverbs, 915 of which are included in the Bible for us. And so let's talk a minute about what a proverb is. Uh, we're all probably familiar with proverbs, but proverbs are just short sayings that express a general truth for practical living. Now, with a biblical proverb, you might add the word righteous. It's a, a short saying to express general truth for practical righteous living. And the beauty of these short little, little sayings is that they're very practical, but they're very memorable. That's the, the thing behind them is they are designed to be memorable so that you can remember them and you can use them. In fact, I want to demonstrate just how memorable Proverbs are, how easy it is to, to remember a proverb. And so I know that you all are all muted, so I'm going to trust you to play along here. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say the beginning of a secular proverb, not a biblical proverb. I'll, I'll go through some secular proverbs, and I want to see if you can remember the end of them, and I'll bet you can. So I'm trusting that you are answering out loud your, to your computer screen, okay? So I'm going to give you the beginning of the proverb. You fill in the rest, all right? Here we go. Look before you. It's very much like a church service, quiet when I ask for a, for a response. But again, I'm trusting that you all said leap. Look before you leap. A penny saved is a penny earned. Uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? So I imagine you probably nailed all of those. You've got all of those, and you see just how easy it is to remember these proverbs, and that's the idea behind them. Easy to remember, very practical. Now, those were all secular proverbs. Let's talk a minute about biblical proverbs. There's three, I think, three distinct and vital components of a biblical proverb. The first one is that a proverb is a timeless truth. It is not a just temporary advice. It is timeless truth, not just temporary advice. What we need to understand is that proverbs or the book of Proverbs is not kind of a get-rich scheme. 
Uh, it's not just a, a quick fix to your problems, whatever those may be. Instead, what the book of Proverbs is, it is about long-term principles and long-term priorities that we incorporate into our lives. Uh, there's one definition of a proverb that I really like. It, it says that a proverb is a short sentence based on a long experience. And I like that a lot because when we read the words of Solomon, he is speaking out of a long life experience of wisdom, of the wisdom God gave him and the wisdom that he grew into. He is speaking out of that incredible experience and out of the wisdom of God. And that's how these things ought to be applied to our life as well. It is ongoing, long-term stuff. I have been told by, by people who are uh, investment you know, financial investors, that there's, there's two main attitudes towards stocks. One is trades, and then the other one is investment. Now, investment is, is long-term, right? You buy a, a stock, and then you don't go check it every day online to see what the value is, and you don't sell it if it's gone up just a little bit. Instead, what you do is you buy it, and then you hold on to it. And you trust in the principles of, of whatever caused you to buy it in the first place. And then years later, way down the road, there's a payoff for, for your time and your investment in that stock. Now, a trade is different. A trade is, is, a, is a quick purchase and sell. It is, it is in and out, right? It's try to flip it and make some money. And it's done very quickly. And things might change in a day or even by the hour. Well, there's a lot of people who, who it seems they believe the Bible or the book of Proverbs is, is like a trade, that, that it's just a quick fix. I'm, I'll just make a few minor adjustments in my life, and then everything will be okay. But Solomon says, that's not how this works. He says, that's not the plan. The plan is long-term believing, long-term trusting in the principles and priorities that are set forth from God and from his word. So Proverbs are long-term investments. And if the priorities and the principles are there, and if they are followed, then there will be a payoff with incredible spiritual dividends later on. The second vital component of a proverb is that a proverb is a general principle. It is not an unconditional promise. A proverb is a general principle, not an unconditional promise. Proverbs are not guarantees. They are not promises of God. They are general principles that say, if you will do this, then most of the time, this is what will happen. Let me give you an example of this, a very common used example when, when we talk about this. It's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You, you're probably familiar with it. Start a child off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, most of us, we have heard that one before. Now, going back to our first component of a proverb, we see that, yes, this is a timeless truth for parents, right? This is a long-term deal. You start them off when they're a little child, and when they're old, there's the payoff. So it's a long-term deal, and, and, and it's good practical advice that works most of the time right? Because we all know some kids whose parents seem to do everything right, whose parents taught them to love the Lord and to put Jesus first in their life, 
And yet somewhere along the way, that child rebelled or that child rejected what they had been taught and, and they broke the heart of their parents and they broke the heart of God. Now, that does not mean that that proverb is not true. Because this proverb, just like all proverbs, is a general truth. It's, it's not a promise. So eight times out of 10 or nine times out of 10, what the proverb says is what will happen. But the fact that there occasionally is an exception shows us these are not promises of God. They are principles from God, but they're not promises. And God, because he allows us to have free will, he gives us the chance to decide if we're going to go in a different direction than, say, how our parents raised us to, to, to believe and to act. And, and so we can be the exception if, if we choose to be. There's a third vital component of a proverb, and that is that a proverb is specific information that has a broad application. It's very specific, but it can be applied in a lot of different ways. And this is important, especially for us who live 3,000 years later. It's still applicable for us today. And I'll bet you have uh, heard somebody use a biblical proverb, even in maybe a business setting or in a uh, budgeting seminar or a high school classroom or within the family or maybe a coach with a sports team. And so the application of these Proverbs, it stretches well beyond just the specific thing that it talks about, and certainly beyond just a Bible class setting. Each of these Proverbs are morally and ethically sound. Uh, as we study them, they give us a glimpse into, into God's character. They give a glimpse into what he thinks is important, and it gives us a glimpse into what he wants for our lives. So the book of Proverbs is filled with these short and sweet, but powerfully meaningful statements, statements of general truth that are designed to give us wisdom and practical, useful knowledge for righteous living over the long haul of our life. That's, that's a, a proverb. So that's a, a quick introduction to the book. Let's jump into chapter one. And, uh, and let's see what it has to say to us. Uh, in, in chapter one, right off the bat, Solomon wants to give us kind of a summary of the book. I mean, just right off from the very get-go, he says, here's what this book is all about. Look at verses one through five of chapter one. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And then he says, here's what you need to know. Here's what this is about. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. So Solomon, at the beginning of chapter one, says, here's my plan for this book. He says, my plan is to give you, and then notice the words that he uses. He says, I want to give you wisdom, instruction, understanding, insight, prudence, knowledge, discretion, learning, discernment, guidance. He, he says, the whole point of this book is to give you wisdom for living. In Proverbs, there's 125 references to wisdom. 
That's what the book is all about. It's wisdom for your life. Now, in verse 7, Solomon gives us the foundation of wisdom. Basically, he says, this is what it all comes down to. This is the focus when it comes to wisdom. And he says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. You ever known a fool that despised wisdom and discipline? I have. There's times I've been a fool. But he says, the foundation of knowledge, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Now, what does he mean by that? The fear of the Lord is, is the foundation of the beginning of knowledge. Well, He's not talking about fear as in being terrified, or that God is some kind of scary monster that, that we have to, you know, cower in front of. That word fear rather means respect or having a holy reverence for God. And basically what I think it means is it is an acknowledgement that God is all-powerful and all-knowing. C.S. Lewis, I, I think, understood the idea of fearing God uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Aslan is the lion, right? He's the hero of the story. He is, he's the one who represents Jesus in the story. And, and very early on in the story, the children are drawn to Aslan, but they're also very frightened by him because he's a lion, right? Big sharp teeth and claws and a big loud roar. And one of the children asks someone else about King Aslan, and they say, is he safe? And I love the reply. The, the, they say back, oh, no, he is not safe, but he is good. And I think that's a great picture of God the Father. He can be a God of wrath, but he is a God of grace. He is all-powerful. He is almighty, but he is good and forgiving and loving and fair and kind. And the book of Proverbs teaches us that the fear of the Lord, a proper view of who God is, teaches us or is the foundation of wisdom. And what that means, I think, is that if I acknowledge that God is great, that God is the all-knowing creator, and that all of the universe revolves around him, that when I have questions about life or when I'm seeking direction, I will know the person or the one that I need to turn to is God right? Who better to go for, for life advice than the one who created life? Who better when I have a question about me to go to for the answer than the one who created me and who knows me and who has numbered every single hair on my head? That's why I turn to him and not to me. That's why I turn to him and not to the world. And Solomon says that understanding, that is the foundation of knowledge. That's the beginning of wisdom. In the rest of chapter one, Solomon just gives us some advice. So like in verse seven, he says, fear the Lord. Verses eight and nine, he says, obey your parents. Verses 10 through 16, he talks about choose your friends wisely. So again, we're getting real practical advice, the kind of advice your father would give to you. He also in chapter one gives us advice to listen to wisdom. In fact, three different times in chapter one, he encourages us to listen. Verse five, he says, listen and, and obey. Uh, I'm sorry, listen and learn. Verse eight, he says, listen and obey. And then in verse 33, he says, listen and live. Look at verse 33. Whoever listens to me 
will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Doesn't that sound like a great way to live? Solomon says, well, then listen. Listen to what I have to say and do what I have to say. Be wise. And if you are wise, he says, this is the path that wisdom will lead you down. Now, speaking of paths, let's talk about chapters 2, 3, and 4. In those three chapters, we get three simple lessons uh, about wisdom and about the path that we are on. In chapter 2, what Solomon wants us to learn is that wisdom protects your path. Wisdom protects your path. There is a common phrase that's used all throughout the book of Proverbs, and chapter 2 starts with it, and it is, my son. My son, Solomon writes over and over again. It reminds us all throughout the book. There is all this great fatherly advice being passed down. It's wise counsel being transferred from one generation to the next. But look at verses 6 through 8. As we talk about wisdom protecting your path, here's what Solomon writes. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. And then verse 8 is the key theme for us here. It says, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Wisdom protects your path. Verses 9 through 16 of chapter 2 tells us about the choices that lay before us as we walk down the path. And there's really three choices, or, or two choices, I guess. One is we can walk with God. That's one choice we have. Verses 9 and 10, then you will understand what is right and just and fair Every, um, every good path for wisdom will enter into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. He says, if you choose wisdom, the wisdom of God will be right there with you. will literally walk down the path with you. But then he says, there are also some, some who choose to walk with the wicked. And they use two analogies for wicked people. One in verses 12 through 15 are the wicked men. He says there's wicked men, but he says wisdom can protect you. Look, starting in verse 12, wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways. Then Solomon makes another analogy of the wicked, and he says wisdom can also protect us from adulterous woman, the adulterous woman. Verse 16, wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. The adulterous woman is a manipulator. She specializes in flattery. And the father says, son, you need to stay away from her. And you need to stay away from those wicked men whose, whose words are perverse. I like how Warren Wearsby sums up chapter two. He talks about the if in verse one. And the then in verse 9, and the thus in verse 20. Here's what he says. He says, if, verse 1, we receive God's words and obey them, then, verse 9, we will have wisdom to make wise decisions. And thus, verse 20, God will keep his promises and protect us from the evil man and the adulterous woman. That's chapter 2. Now, let's look at chapter 3. What we learn from chapter 3 is that wisdom 
directs your paths. Chapter two, wisdom protects your paths. Chapter three says wisdom directs your paths. But we also discover that there are some conditions that if we want God to be able to direct us and wisdom to be able to direct our path, then, then there are some conditions that we have to kind of follow in order for that to happen. Uh, four conditions that we see in chapter three. First, verse one says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart. So condition number one, if we want wisdom to direct our path, is that we've got to study God's truth. We have to study God's truth, and not just on a Wednesday night or not just on Sunday morning. Every single day, we have to get into the Word of God and not just read it. We've got to remember it and apply it and obey it. Keep my commands in your heart, he says. That's condition number one. Secondly, he says, stay the course. You got to stick it out. The key verses of, of chapter three to me are verses five and six, and they are great verses for, for memorization. Here's what he says Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Stay the course. Trust that God is leading you down the right path rather than you trying to take it into your own hands and you deciding, well, I think this is the direction that I want to go. In, in verse five, the word trust, um, it carries with it in the original language, the idea of lying face down, helpless on the ground. And the picture that that paints is one of total commitment of, I'm not going to try to do anything. I'm just going to lay down and I'm going to put all my trust that God is going to be in control. I'm going to turn it all over to him. So I stay the course. The third condition we see, which might be surprising, is share your resources. That may seem weird to us as we talk about uh, wisdom, you know, directing our path. But Solomon says one of the keys is you got to share your resources. Look at verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all of your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You know, there's a real temptation, not only to lean on our own understanding, but to lean on what we have and to look at that as our security and as our safety and that, that, that that's where it comes from. But the wisest man who ever lived, the, the man who chose wisdom over wealth says, you need to share what you have. You give to the Lord and you give to others. And he says, if you'll do that, if you will show your trust in God in that way, then he'll make sure you know who is in charge by blessing you. He says, your, your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. He says, God will prove faithful if you'll put your trust in him in that area. And then finally, fourthly, verses 11 through 13 say, the final commitment is, or, or condition is submit to God's discipline. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. You know, there's a difference between discipline and punishment. And I think sometimes Satan confuses our minds uh, and, and kind of, 
confuses those two things in our minds. But God disciplines us at times, sometimes to help us see what his will for our life is, sometimes to bring us to our fullest potential, sometimes to sharpen us, sometimes to, to change us. And we need to be open to that. We need to submit to the discipline of God in our lives. So those are the conditions. Those are the things that God says, if you will do these, it will allow me to direct your path. Uh, this is what needs to be. You need to be open to these things. That's what gives me the ability to direct your path. That's what God says. But in verses 13 through 26, Solomon then gives us this whole list of blessings that we will enjoy when we abide by those conditions, when we walk in wisdom. He says, verse 13, that wisdom brings blessing. Verse 16, it brings long life. Verse 17, peace. Verse 22, life. Verse 23, it brings safety. Verse 24, it brings sweet sleep. Verse 25, no fear. And verse 26, the Lord is at your side. Now, let me ask you, how does that sound to you? I mean, would you just sign up for a life like that right now? A life of blessing, long life, peace, life, safety, sweet sleep, no fear, and the Lord at your side. We would all sign up for that today. Well, Solomon says, those are the blessings that come when you have this kind of relationship with wisdom. That's the kind of life that comes when you follow the, the path of God and, and, and the way of wisdom. So that's chapter three. Finally, let's look at chapter four. We, we have seen that wisdom protects your path. We've seen that wisdom directs your path. But in chapter four, we also see that wisdom perfects your path. I think the key verse in chapter four is verse 18. Solomon says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. Solomon says that if we will follow wisdom, if we will walk the path of righteousness, he says that God will light up our path so brightly. It's like in, in the morning sun, right? You've driven into the morning sun where it's so bright, you, you have to shade your eyes. And he says it will only get brighter as you go. He says that's the kind of path you want to walk down, one that's bright and clear and, and wide open. And so the call of the book of Proverbs is listen to God's word, trust in God's ways, obey God's will. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he'll lay out your path, and he'll make it wide and straight and bright. He says this is how one attains wisdom. And if you do it, God will walk along your path with you. He'll protect your path. He'll direct your path. And then he'll perfect your path. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, it seems to me that Solomon kind of just pushes all of his chips to the center of the table. He says, listen, if you want to have this kind of life that I'm talking about, if, if this is what you want, here's what he says. Get wisdom. You get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She'll protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all that you have, 
get understanding. I'm not sure Solomon could have been any more clear than that. The wisest person who ever lived, who, by the way, tried everything that the world had to offer and found it to be meaningless, says, even if it costs you everything that you have, you get wisdom. You love wisdom. You do not forsake wisdom because wisdom will protect you and it will direct you and it will perfect your path. This is a great book, and I'm so excited and so thankful that you're going to spend time in it over the next few months. As I wrap up tonight, I want to leave you with just a, a very simple challenge. I've heard it called the Proverbs Challenge, um, but here's what it is, and it's a super simple challenge and one that I hope you will, will take to heart. Um, I wish we were doing this last Sunday because that would make this perfect. If, if today were July 1st, this would be so easy but it's really not a problem. You'll notice in the book of Proverbs, there's 31 chapters. And in the month of July, there's 31 days. Also in the month of August, 31 days. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to read one chapter of Proverbs every day for the next 31 days. And, and you can start with chapter one today if you want and, and go forward. Or if you want to say, well, today's the eighth so I'm going to start in chapter 8, and I'm going to read through 31, and then I'm going to go 1 through 7 at the end, or if you want to read 1 through 8 today and then pick up tomorrow, you can do it however you want. But I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to spend the next month pursuing wisdom, getting wisdom, seeking God's wisdom in your life. Billy Graham uh, once said, I read five Psalms and one chapter in Proverbs each day. He says, that way through the course of the month, I have read both books all the way through. And then he said, I just repeat it month after month. And then he added, I read the Psalms to keep me right with God. And I read the Proverbs to keep me right with me. So let me encourage you, seek wisdom. The word Proverbs literally means the skill of living. And, and wisdom is what gives you that skill. So let's stop drowning in all of the information that's around us. And let's start thirsting for the wisdom of God. Seek God's wisdom. Because if we'll do that, if we'll seek it, if we'll listen to it, if we'll trust it, and if we'll obey it, wisdom makes promises. And it promises to protect us. It promises to direct us, and it promises to perfect our path. So God bless us as we seek wisdom this week. Thanks for letting me be part of your evening. Douglas, I'll turn it back over to you. Great. Can everybody hear me? I hope. There we go. All right. So um, thank you so much, Seth. That is fantastic. Those are some great. Talking about art over the coming weeks. Protect your paths, direct your paths, and perfects your path. And talking about, you know, the path that we're going to have um, as being very, uh, very important. Um, and so I, I really appreciate all that you've given to us uh, this evening. Uh, that is uh, some great orientation. Um, and 
I, I really thank you for um, all that you do. I pray that God blesses your ministry there in Frisco. Um, thank you. And there's, uh, I hope folks, if there's anything you thought was really good, go ahead and mention it in chat. He can see that if he's got his <laughs> chat on. Um, I do want to mention this coming Sunday is our drive-in church. So uh, we're going to start at, um, at, the church will start at 845. We encourage you to show up between 815 and 830. Uh, this will be a Sunday focused on high school seniors and on uh, Cody Spear and a celebration for Cody uh, and his 12 years before he leaves. And so I just pray that you guys will uh, turn out and, and uh, bless them. Um, we appreciate uh, them very much. Uh, next week for Wednesday nights, we're going to have Jerry Taylor from ACU. Uh, we've had Jerry several times before. I hope you'll plan to be here. I noticed that several of you obviously have shared uh, this link with others. Um, I encourage you to share this link with other people. The uh, webinar and the address and the, the password will stay the same, I believe. Um, but we will continue to send it out each week. If you hear of anybody who'd like to sign up, tell them to sign up and, and we will add them to the list and send them out an email. Um, we're more than happy to do that. Um, and they can always sign up on our webpage. That's, that's probably the best way to do things. Um, again, Seth, thanks for your time. Let's go ahead and say a prayer to kind of close off our time here. And oh, uh, of course, I almost forgot ice cream. We were talking about ice cream at the beginning and I can't tell you how many people, um, uh, how many people made a comment about ice cream. I mean, it was incredible. And how many people, I want y'all all to know, and, and unfortunately Joy Cloud is not with us tonight, but how many people mentioned Joy Cloud's coffee ice cream, homemade coffee ice cream, and how much they wish they could eat it tonight. Um, I thought that was really something. But, uh, and so that one, hands down, there was, there was a lot of people. Now, I got like 15 different flavors of ice cream. So it's obvious why HEB has all the different ice creams. It has all the different flavors because so many people like so many different things. But uh, it was really cool. I hope you saw all that. I do want to mention, um, join us next week and, and share. We're also going to be sharing this live on YouTube. Uh, we're able through um, Zoom to stream this directly to YouTube. So you can watch it on YouTube as well as on this. So um, of course you can't chat on YouTube as easily as you can chat with me, but, uh, but that is there. So we'd love for you to do that um, and, and participate. So, um, all right, let's close with a prayer. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, blessing us. It's such a good day. Thank you, Father, for giving us life, uh, watching over us always. And Lord, um, Thank you for guiding us in all that we do. I pray, Lord, that you will uh, bless Seth and uh, his wife, children. I pray that you'll bless that work there in Frisco. And Father, I pray that you will help us each day as we seek to be wise people. It's through your son that we pray. Amen. Well, you guys, y'all have a great day, a great evening. We will see you again next Wednesday night. I look forward to seeing everybody and sharing, I know y'all are going to be really looking forward to my next week's joke. So, you know, there's, there's something to look forward to every week this month. Have a good one, Seth. Ah, thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye.